I had a chance to go there eh, a couple of years ago, but just didn't work out. So all you um, had to do was a door, but instead you did nothing. Ramy didn't I mean, even make coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Ramy, yeah. on to you. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Stone on Sports podcast. My name is Matt. As usual, I am joined here by these two killer bees, Kyle and Ramey. Ramey, how's it hanging, brother? Not too bad. Uh, got through the opening of NBA free agency. Both of our favorite teams had some interesting moves and uh, just kind of easing into that part of the sports schedule where not a whole lot going on. I know we've got the all-star game coming up for Major League Baseball. We're going to talk a little bit about that and about uh, some some mid-season uh, baseball um, thoughts and, and kind of predictions moving forward. But everything's good. How are you doing, Kyle? Super great. Super great. Happy to be here as usual. A uh, little switch up this week. Taking a pause on the division previews. Um, going to talk, like you said, about uh, mid-season baseball, where we are at this point. Uh, what some what some players are doing out there who's underperforming, and what we see for the, the outlook of the the rest of the season. There's so it seems like this has uh, this season has as many supremely talented players than any other time in the past. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's some crazy seasons going on right now. Um, you know, Ronald Acuna is doing some special things. Shohei Otani is doing some special things, but we've also got some, uh, some rookies who have come up and it really made an impact and, and done it quickly. Uh, I know that's not really super unique, but anytime it happens, it, it, it is pretty cool. Yeah. I know, uh, just being close to home. Uh, L.A. De La Cruz coming up for the Cincinnati Reds and have the, having them go on a 12-game win streak right off the bat, um, pretty impactful. He seems to be a, a player that they're going to build around for some time. And I mean, he's just one of a ton of uh, young athletic guys, and I think some of the tweaks to the rules as far as service time and, and things like that from the last collective bargaining agreement has is, is pushed some of these younger players up sooner, which I think is a good thing. It's made the game a little bit more exciting. Yeah. Just there's just tons of talent. Turner, Betts, like mentioned, Dela Cruz, and I was even hopping on that train, flipping on some of those games, watching him. He had that uh, quickest time, first to third this year so far. Guy could, guy could flat out rock. He's fast, talented. He's all I see. He's made some mistakes, uh, fielding and stuff. Some some errors here and there in the raw in the raw thing to do, but uh, he's learning, and uh, he'll come around. And I know Altani gets talked about a lot, of course. Um, the guy's amazing the way that he can do, he can be elite at, at, at pitching and hitting. Just crazy. Yeah, he's a, he's a rare talent for sure. Um, you know, he, he leads the league in a few categories for pitching. Uh, a couple of them that just kind of make me smile as he leads the league in both wild pitches and hit batters. So you know that he's 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 uh, mortal. You know he makes mis- he does make some mistakes. Yeah, um, you know he's he's put together a, a six point one F WAR season so far, four point one batting, one point nine pitching. Um, you know he's he's leading the league in know, half a dozen offensive categories and 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 a few pitching categories as well. Uh, it really is a, a special season and, and something that we should feel lucky we're getting to to watch live as it happens. I've seen some talk lately of of him being the goat, and I just kind of laugh at that. Like you, you've got to put up more than you know the the two really really good seasons that you have. Um, you know, I can name many many players who are who are better than him. When you think back to like Ted Williams and, and Babe Ruth. Uh, but what he's doing is special for sure. If he keeps this up for another eight, nine years, then we'll talk. Yeah, I think part of it's just the uniqueness of him, both pitching and and hitting. Like you just haven't seen that since guys like Babe Ruth back in the day. And 
even then he he gave up pitching to focus on hitting and it's just not something that really is done anymore and I think that because he's so good at both and he could probably focus on one or the other and become really elite but he's he's pretty elite at both of them as he is and um I think it's just that the fact that you don't see it all the time makes it stand out even more yeah it's it's I mean he, he's somebody that could win the triple crowns and hitting and pitching I don't think it's going to happen this year Maybe it happens on a different team next year because or gets traded. He ain't going to get traded. I mean, they're still right now. The Angels are like three games over 500, and they need to make the playoffs to try and get him to stay. Yeah, yeah. They're seven games back behind uh, Texas. But what's the uh, what's the? I ran across this uh, this question. Uh, what's the statistical equivalent in another sport? Uh, in respect to Otani's hitting pitching at that elite level. So I'll give you an example. It's a fantasy example, but it's an example nonetheless. Tom Brady has 50 touchdowns. Tom Brady also has 50 sacks that year, or 20 sacks that year, 18 and a half sacks that year. That's like a kind of an elite thing at, at, at two different things. Ramey, do you have an, uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, in a single sport, no, but it makes me go back to like, a guy like Deion Sanders, um, yeah, maybe even Charles Woodson at Michigan. Um, he, he okay. played both yeah. both receiver and defense, and I, I know that when he won the the Heisman in '97, uh, um, he they they put him on the offensive side to kind of highlight him a little bit more, and rightfully so. He was he was good on both sides, but that's someone that I could think about when I when I think about Deion Sanders. That was more of a two sport athlete. He never really played on the offensive side of the ball. He played baseball and football. And Bo Jackson as well. They they played both positions, but I think Charles Woodson's probably the the closest comparison. And even he didn't do it for an extended time like Otani's been doing. Yeah one what do you one thing I thought of uh, too was back in the mid '80s when Jordan averaged like 35 points a game and was Defensive Player of the Year as well. Yeah, 87, 87, 88. Yep. You know because when I think about you know pitcher that to me is a defensive position um now granted playing defense on a basketball port court is part of the game but still to be elite at both aspects of the game is is something that's really rare in football like I thought of George Blanda who played quarterback and and kicker um but you'd have to go way way back to the days when football players routinely played two ways um to find a, a rough equivalent and you know just want to point out in 97 when uh charles woodson won the heisman it was rightly so over peyton fucking manning <laughs> uh jesus here 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 for sure um yeah i'd be remiss uh we did talk about the perfect game from the other night domingo Herman. it's the first perfect game in um uh, 11 years i believe um did you got I, I got the alert on my phone and you know the eighth inning alert or whatever and I hopped on MLB TV and, and checked it out. You know, I don't like the Yankees or anything, but still a perfect game. I'll 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 watch the end. Yeah, I, I happened to be flipping around and they, they put it on ESPN for the ninth inning and I was really expecting to see a base hit or or something like that. But he he, he finished it out and I think I can't remember exactly, but it, it was the first I mean, this is such a random stat, and you can find a stat for anything, but it was like the first perfect game by someone who gave up, what, eight or ten runs in the prior start. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting because you have pitchers who have who have been great pitchers who have never thrown a perfect game, and you have pitchers who have thrown a perfect game that you, like Domingo, Herman. Like, yeah, you're likely probably not going to hear a whole lot about him in the future, other than these random stats where they say, oh, who threw the last perfect game? Like, yeah, well, one right for it. The one before it was Felix Hernandez, who was a, a very good pitcher in his own right. But I think it speaks to a little bit of the randomness of baseball uh-huh. that that someone like that can throw a, pitch, a perfect game and, and someone like Greg Maddox uh, never even really sniffed one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... 
regardless of what he goes on to do the, the rest of his career, he's still going to be amongst a, a very small group of players to accomplish something on the field. Um, and, you know, you're right, Ramey, there is a, a lot of variance in baseball, you know, routinely, um, the best players in the league will go 0 for 4, right? That's not at all uncommon, whereas, you know, in the NBA, LeBron isn't going to have zero points. He's not going to go scoreless without a board or a dime or or something. Uh, And that's why I think baseball is in love with its numbers so much, because the only way to truly evaluate somebody's ability is with data over time. You know, you can look at... um, you know, two basketball players and and watch them play. And you can tell the difference between, you know, the really good one and the really bad one. You can't watch two hitters and, and tell the difference between a 300 hitter and a 250 hitter by just watching them swing. Like it's there, there is no real physical difference. Um, you know, and it's part of what makes the game great. You know, the, we've got the new rules this year and, and we've got a, a team who, has a yeah a slim chance to score a thousand runs for the first time since the 1999 Cleveland Indians. Um, Texas is is just plating all kinds of runs, and um, you know they've got a solid squad. Baltimore is kind of a surprise this year. They're they've done a great job building off of last season's 83 win performance, and they've got seven of the top 100 prospects in the minor leagues. So they've got even more coming. And they're building that team right by, you know, drafting the hitting and and developing those hitters. And then you use those hitters and you acquire pitching because it's so much harder to develop pitching. Yeah. The Orioles are doing good. They they were surprising. They do got some nice players. uh, That Gunnar Henderson, I I watched him this morning on the Peacock game or this afternoon on the Peacock game. And they're only six and a half behind uh, the Rays after that historic start that the Rays had. Um, at the beginning of the season. So, um, yeah, the Rangers run crazy. I think they're, them and the Rays are tied at plus 158 run differential. Next best is the Braves at 136. Another awesome team. Fun to watch. The Rays have been scored runs like crazy lately, too. I mean, yep. they're not quite on the pace of the, of the Rangers or anything like that. I mean, they're not too far behind, though. I mean, yeah, they're what? 25, 30 runs behind the 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 uh, Rangers, and I mean, they lose Dansby Swanson to my team, the Cubs, and they don't really miss a beat. So the, it, it seems that the teams that have really done it the right way, and like you said, Matt, built with with solid hitting, contact hitting, average, hitting for average, getting on base, and then making the right trades at the right time, like the Braves did for Matt Olson with the A's. I mean, Matt Olson's come in and not only has he been able to to run that staff for Atlanta, but he's also been able to contribute offensively. I think it could be argued that one of the big reasons why St. Louis is in the position it is now is because they refused to give up the prospects to trade for Matt Olson and decided to dip into free agency and 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 uh, pick up uh, my guy uh, Wilson Contreras, who has been uh, less than advertised uh, for the for the uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm not sad about it. <laughs> Atlanta is though like they're on another level right now. You you spoke about the the plus 136 run differential. They were 21 and 4 in June. And and think about this. This kind of blew my mind. They scored one fewer run than they had strikeouts as batters. Wow, that's amazing. It was like 175 to 176. So when you think about just how often like players strike out nowadays where, you know, 180 strikeouts and a, a 30% strikeout percentage is tolerated. It's it's funny you say that because there has been such a focus on the what is what is it, the three true outcomes, yeah. like either um, a, a walk, a hit, or a strikeout. No, yeah. it's home run. Oh, home run. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But, uh, but teams just don't care about strikeouts, and I... I didn't know that stat that you brought up, Matt. That's really interesting. You wonder if it's it's correlative to their record because they have struck out so few times in the last month. And will teams start to see that and say, hey, maybe we should be focusing on putting the ball in play more and not trying to hit the ball over the fence. I know that the numbers, the, the analytics don't speak to that quite yet, 
but it's and it, it may just be an outlier with with the Braves this last month. But I think it it goes to a point like when when your team gets into a slump, you're going to have a much better chance of getting out of it quickly if you have players that don't strike out as often. And I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm old fashioned, but I just I don't like the way that the the strikeouts have just gone through the roof over the last three years, few years, not three years. Yeah, and I think too, like, so pitching and hitting, they there's always action reaction, action reaction, and pitchers went more to velocity. Hitters started focusing more on launch angle and power, and the hit tool has kind of started to get overlooked. But that's what you rely on when your ass ain't hitting home runs. If you're not doing that, hopefully you know how to draw a walk. Uh, moving on. Uh... The AL Central's a mess. Um, I suppose it could be won by a team that's 500 or right around, you know, right around there. It, maybe sub 500. The look on Ramey's face. Uh, I mean, uh, the Twins are a game under right now, and they're only a half game up on the on the Guardians. But your guys' Tigers are still they, in it. They just lost to Baltimore. They were up one nothing, and then lost two to nothing in the night at bottom of the night. So, gotta win them game. I gotta win them close games. This isn't this isn't just a baseball thing. Um, with with the addition of the the wild card in football and and also in baseball, but I've got a question for both of you. I'd like to know your thoughts. Do you think a division winner that has a sub five hundred record should be allowed to play in the playoffs? Absolutely. Uh, every team, their number one goal coming into the season is to win their division, win their conference, whatever it is. That that's the number one goal right there. The way you do that is by having the best record, you know, in division play or or overall or, or you know, whatever tiebreakers there are, independent of whatever that record may be. You know, there's going to be years when every team in your division is shitty. There's going to be years like this year, everybody in the AL East is 500 or better. You know, but but your number one goal coming into every season is to win your division. Because that's how you get in the playoffs. That's the way you can control your own destiny. Yeah, I'm I'm total agreement with Matt on that. Um, he's he's right. You know, you hear teams talk about that all the time. Win their division, or you can get in the playoffs. So, yeah, it I I see it kind of looks bad for whatever particular sport that happens in. Um, but it is a fact, and as happened, wasn't third NL or. Uh, NFC East team that made it like seven to nine or the uh, NFC South. NFC and South. Yeah, it was um, the who the fuck are they? The Panthers did it a few years back, and then the Seahawks did it. Like they were seven and nine, and it like I hear people complain about it, or they'll say, "Oh, if you're under five hundred and you win your division, you don't get to like host a home game." No, you did your job. You did your part. And let's not pretend this actually happens with any kind of frequency. Like, you know, I can think of two examples. There might be one or two more in my lifetime. Like, it's it's inconsequential, the amount that it happens. Heading to the uh, NL a little bit, the West, kind of surprising. Arizona, I didn't think that they would be uh, atop the division and... And the Padres, with the amount of talent they have, the amount of money uh, on their payroll, to be seven under and fourth in the division at, at the halfway point is is inexcusable. Yeah, not just them, but you could throw the Mets into that too, at the highest payroll ever in baseball, being as far back as they are. Yeah, they're like ten. Yeah, yeah. It's it just goes to show that you you can't buy a championship. You have to have the right pieces in place and. It, it makes you wonder with uh, Tatis, Tatis coming back, um, what is the chemistry like in that clubhouse in um, San Diego? Because they seem to play pretty well without him last year. I mean, they made it to the playoffs. Um, and then he comes, or did he come back last year? Am I stupid? Why are you looking at me funny? I'm, 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 I started smiling as Matt started smiling. That's it. <laughs> Don't fucking, I was trying to smiles. I was trying to look at his goatee real close, but I was having trouble. 
He was suspended all last year, right? Yeah. He came back this season. Yeah, okay. Uh, you smiled. No, I, okay. no, I was laughing because of that just incredibly smooth transition from the Mets to here's Tatis, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> all right. I'm trying to be more like Kyle. Even though we were just talking about the West. Yeah. Nice. He, went, he went Mets. Yeah, it's fine. If you if you if you want to if you want to critique my transition, you should right. critique the one where I went to the Mets, not where I came back to the pod. Right, right. Yeah, don't worry. I wasn't paying attention when you went to. <laughs> That's fair. I wasn't really saying anything worth the worth note. So, but um, I with the Padres, I just I don't know. Like it's on paper, they should be they should be dominating. They should be right up there with the the Dodgers, and I mean, I guess the Diamondbacks, but um. The Diamondbacks really are surprising as well, as well as they played because they've been in the cellar for years. And it seems like that they've tried to spend, they've tried to go homegrown, and nothing's worked until this year. And they have a a, a rookie that's that's playing exceptionally well and even is in the MVP conversation with uh, Corbin Carroll. So it's they're a fun team to watch. But yeah, the the Padres looks like a little bit of a dumpster fire right now. Yeah. Arizona too, they've got a legit ace. And Zach Gallon, um, you know, he's a dude that, you know, if you hit a losing streak, he's going to make it stop. Arizona's position players as a group are actually the sixth youngest in baseball, average age of 27.3 years. The Giants are are still right in the, the thick of things out west, too, and it seems like every year they just they kind of get it done with smoke and mirrors and bullshit and but, you know, they're there. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. So, like, the the question I have on my mind, though, is who actually wants to win the Central? You know, right now the Brewers or the Reds are tied for first. The Cubbies are the only team with a positive run differential, but they keep shitting on their shoes. Like, who's actually going to take it? I mean, I, t- I talked about this in my uh, my short uh, last week. I the Cubs need to start acting like a big market baseball club and they need to make a trade at the deadline. That's going to impact them on the offensive side of the ball. They need to resign Marcus Stroman uh, and extend him because he's been the ace of that staff. He's been in the Cy Young um, conversation up until late. He's kind of um, slumped off a little bit of late, but he wants to be a cub. He wants to, he wants to lead that staff. They have the resources. They have the team. They have the facilities. They have everything that, that a player would want to come to. I know that they're going to be in the conversation. I don't know that they'll be in the running for Shohei when, uh, when he becomes a free agent, but they should be in the running for all of these free agents because of the money the the market and the facilities. Um, I just, I don't understand it. I don't know what the goal of ownership in Chicago is. Um, I understand you don't want to spend foolishly or recklessly, but for God's sake, spend a little bit. I mean, get up there and take a swing. At least then you can say to your fan base that you tried, you tried to make a move to make an impact instead of continuing trying to sell off at the deadline and make these shrewd moves and in, in the off season and, and end up third in the NL central when the division is there for the taking. Well, you got to remember though, it's free to just say, fuck you to your fans and do nothing. Yeah. And that's kind of what they do. See, Oh, yeah, I mean, it's the the cup Chicago. It's the I can't remember if it's the second or third highest ex, highest ex, most expensive experience in baseball, as far as ticket price, concessions, all the things that are around the stadium. They're printing money up there. It's about time they start using some of that money to put some players on the field. Yeah. Well, does anybody on our podcast do you think care about the Chicago Cubs? Hi. It's Jimmy <laughs> talk about the Tigers. I, nobody, nobody cares about that. Either. Uh, I am excited that uh, Tariq Scoobal and Erod are coming back to the Tigers this week for scheduled start. Tariq got hurt last year, so it's nice to see him back um, before the All-Star break. That was kind of the, the guess that he would be at, but the week before is kind of nice. Fuck yeah, it is, and it's great for my fantasy baseball team. <laughs> um, yeah, you can finally stop talking about Tariq's going to be back soon. No, well, Scoobles going to be back soon. Last two months. Hey, and soon is now here. I, I think one thing, like, 
just to touch back on the National League, some of the young pitchers that have come up this year that have been amazing. But Yuri Perez down in Miami has been dominant. Uh, Emmett Shaheen threw six no-hit innings in his first start. Andrew Abbott is looking like an ace today against those underachieving Padres. Uh, Kodai Singa has looked pretty good. A.J. smith Shaver come up as a 19-year-old and held his own. You know, there's there's a lot of promising talent that's that's coming up and, and making themselves known. Did, didn't Shaver get sent back down? He did. I mean, he still needs more seasoning. It wasn't due to his performance. Well, of course he does. He's fucking 19. <laughs> I mean, shit. Um, yeah. The new rules, I like. Uh, batting average is up uh, five points, 243 to 248 versus last year. Uh, however, the AL's up uh, 242 to 245, three points. The NL is up 43 to 251, eight points. Why do you guys, why do you think that is? I think the larger base getting better, more solidified. Yeah. Yeah. I think overall, I think the pitching in the American league is a little bit better as well. So that might have something to do with it. Is it? Yeah. Sounds good. Doesn't it? Well, I, I, I'm I'm thinking of a lot of great NL pitchers out there right now. But. I mean, there are. It could just be. It could just be random too. I mean, it, I'm I'm sure there's a little bit of. Cons- trying to think of the, I'm I really don't have a good reason. That was a good stat though, Kyle. I mean, I, I can think just... of, you know, a few ballparks like Cincinnati, Colorado, Arizona. They may have an impact. Those are typically very hitter friendly parks especially once you get to elevation. Yeah. You know, or it's a combination of things. Yeah. A lot of actors in baseball. It'd be interesting to see what the shift rates were for each, each league last year versus this year. Maybe that has something to do with it. If the, I don't know this, but maybe the national league had a, had a larger percentage of plays where they shifted on batters. And because of the rule changes, they can't do that anymore. So, NL batters are having a little bit more luck. I don't. I don't know. I'm just trying to. Well, if you look at, at Sa- somebody like Sandy Alcantara, his numbers from last year to this year with you know old shift rules, new shift rules, he looks like a completely different, incredibly mediocre pitcher. You know, so we we've talked about the you know the effects that it has on hitters for somebody like Corey Seager who comes back and and if he had played more than 50 games, he'd be an MVP candidate himself. Um, but you know, the effect it was going to have on pitchers wasn't really talked about. Now, have I researched that shit? No, but you know, just being a fan of the game and following the game and, and researching for this, like you can see there is a, a causal effect on some of these pitchers because they relied so much on that shifted defense where they would just, you know, induce ground balls into the hole between first and second. There's a second fielder, you know, 10 steps out on the outfield grass waiting to just throw it over to first. And not to continue to put the focus on the Cubs, but Cody Bellinger kind of had the same thing. I mean, he was a player that was just struggling in Los Angeles uh, the last couple of years. And he, he moves to Chicago, and I don't think it's really the move that had anything to do with it, but I think the fact that he was really a pit, a player that, the shift impacted drastically. And now that they can't shift on him, his batting average is up. He's almost, he's hitting 277. His power was, was looking good, but he was hitting those base hits that weren't going through the last few years. And I think it lends to their confidence as well. Once you start seeing some of those balls go through the hole, you think, Oh my gosh, I can, they're, I I can do this. Like they're not going to, they can't, the rules are such that they can't just adjust and, and be exactly where I'm going to hit the ball. I can, I can play again. Like it, it frees some of those players up. So I'm sure it impacts other players, other pitchers, like you said, Alcantara uh, negatively, but I think it's also helping the the batters as well. And I, it, it lends to a bad experience for the fan. Uh, Corey Seager's played in uh, 51 games, Matt. 49 RBIs, 51 games. It's crazy. Yeah, he's good at baseball. But, you know, we think about, like, these increased batting averages. What did Crash Davis tell us in Bull Durham? The difference between 250 and 300 is 25 hits over the course of the season. One more hit a week. Yeah. 
you know, and, and with these changed rules, now we're getting that for some people. Now that doesn't mean we're seeing a bunch of guys, you know, go from 250 to 300, but maybe out of that 25 hits that it took, maybe they get 13. So maybe they make their way from 240 to 265. Uh, yeah. Um, predictions. I'm going to take Braves over Rangers. Uh, I can't. Ooh. Can't. I know where you're we going that specific. I can't feel. Oh, yeah. We got to throw that in. Uh, you might as well do it right now. So I'll do pretty much chalk on that. I think the ALCS goes seven games, Braves, Rangers. But I think the Rangers end up taking it, uh, but ultimately lose to Atlanta Braves, which will make Matt Hatton sets one of his uh, second favorite baseball team, I believe. Matt, yes. who are you like in the World Series later this year? Uh, I also have the Braves over the Rangers. The Braves and the Dodgers in the NLCS, Rangers and Rays in the ALCS. Uh, they're the two best teams in baseball right now. It should be an amazing series to watch. Um, you know, they both score a shit ton of runs. They both have some solid pitching led by just absolute studs uh, like Spencer Strider and Nate Eovaldi. Um, You know, the Rangers even lost Jacob deGrom. You know, granted, he's getting Tommy John surgery, but like him getting hurt should have come as a surprise to nobody. Uh, Ramey, an interesting little note. I do have your Cubs taking the NL Central. I think Justin Steele is going to have a dominant second half this year, a la Jake Arrieta, and the Cubs win it by a game over the Brewers. Nice. Yeah, uh, the Cubs need to go on a run. They are still the only team in the Central with a positive run differential. So it's getting smaller and smaller, but yeah, the 28 now. Uh, it was it was twenty seven or twenty eight. Yeah, I just closed that screen, but yeah, they're they're the only ones. So, um, in the World Series, I I've got it a little bit differently. I've got the Braves over the Rays. I think. I mean, I put a lot of thought into that. Clearly, yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean they're the two best teams in baseball, so I think that they'll they'll make it through. Um, they're just it seems that the Rays have been knocking at the door for years, and I. I know that they've made the World Series previously, but it's been a few years. I think as long as um, as long as they stay healthy, and I know that they've got some issues with McClanahan, um, I, I don't see why they wouldn't make it through. I think that they'll actually go over the Astros and the ALCS. I think the Astros have the experience, and that's why the Rangers may falter in the playoffs. Uh, as far as the NLCS, I think it'll be Braves-Dodgers. I know that that's boring, but those are the two teams that seem to be there. I know the Phillies were there last year, but um, the Dodgers are just consistent, um, and I wouldn't be shocked to see them make a couple moves at the trade deadline to to get them ready for the stretch run. Nice. Well, well enough of this talk about team achievement. Nobody gives a shit about that. Let's talk individual awards. The reason everybody plays the game, to win awards <laughs> and get paid and fuck bitches. Uh, in the American League for MVP, I've got Shohei Otani. Um, he's, he's leading the league, and you know, like we said, like half a dozen hitting categories and three or four pitching categories. Um, he's he's doing it all. Um, for Cy Young, I've got Kevin Gaussman. He's having one hell of a season. He leads the league in strikeouts and FIP. He's second in K per nine. He's top 10 in ERA, wins and walks per nine. Um, he's a big reason why I think Toronto is going to get their shit together and make the playoffs as well. Uh, and then Rookie of the Year, I've got Josh Jung. He's leading American League rookies and runs, hits, doubles, home runs, and RBIs right in the middle of that potent Texan, Texas offense. And as long as he keeps up what he's been doing, I, I don't see anybody in the AL catching him. Cal? Uh, AL, I'm just going to go all throughout because uh, I didn't really prepare fully like you did and write some stats down for that uh, MVP agreed Otani. I think that's a slam dunk unless he gets, you know, hit by a boss tomorrow. Uh, take Henderson. Yep. Looking at the year, Gunnar Henderson from the Orioles. Uh, he's been uh, a young kid, 22, been putting up some numbers. I watched him today in a Peacock game. He's got a nice sweating. Uh, I don't think he's no one really fitting into that lineup. They've got a, a lot of young talent there. 
they do. And what benefits them is so many of them have played together at the lower levels. So they're already have this relationship and this, um, you know, trust and stuff. And they were, they were kind of fun to watch today. I had watched Oreo till today. Nice. Uh, hey, El Sayon, I got Frommer. Um, biased. He's on my fantasy team. He is only seven and six this year, but uh, he's he's solid and nailing out that uh, staff there in Houston. Uh, Ramey, your AL choices? It sound like a broken record. Uh, I kind of figures. MVP is Shohei. I mean, it, ever it seems like every time I turn on Sports Center or listen to to ESPN Radio, he's doing something that hasn't been done in twenty or thirty years as a hitter. He was the first uh, player since Sammy Sosa to have 30 home runs and 10 or more stolen bases since uh, 98 when Sammy did it. And those are the only two players to have done it. Um, as far as rookie of the year, I'm with you, Matt, Josh Jung. Um, that offense is insane, and he has fit in as a rookie just seamlessly, and he's he's right in the middle of the lineup. I think he's doing a great job, and I think he'll hold on to that. Uh, Cy Young, uh, I agree with Matt. I, I I went back and forth. I had McClanahan um, for the Rays, but he got injured. And since I don't know uh, what the, how that's going to impact his rest of the year, I've got Galspin. Um, he's he's really solidified that Toronto staff, and um, I think he's going to be a big reason why they they get in on the in that last wild card spot in a loaded AL East. You Kevin Galspin's a fucking hoss. He's got thick of thighs. Too bad that uh, teammate, his Alec Alec Null, wasn't doing well this year. He gave up 10 runs to like fucking 16 year old teams. Yeah, not good. Uh, Van L, Matt, start. Yeah, on to the senior circuit. MVP, uh, there is no choice other than Ronald. He's, he's having a historic season. We could be looking at 40-70. Uh, interesting little note. Two times since integration in 1947, a player has led their league in OPS and stolen bases. Willie Mays did it in 1990. He had 65 stolen bases and a 1.016 OPS. 1990? Yeah. Willie Mays, right? Or I'm sorry, Ricky Henderson in 1990, and <laughs> Willie Mays in 1958. Yeah, they're all okay. Stole Willie Mays. Willie Mays Hayes in 1990. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's um, that's some good fucking cup there. Fuck yeah, it is. It, it'd be even better if I'd have got it straight, but whatever. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, for Cy Young, Justin Steele. Uh, like I said, I think he's going to go on a run here the second half of the season. There really is no dominant, like head and shoulders above the rest pitcher in the NL this year. Um, he's leading in ERA, whip, all runs per nine. He's top five in wins and, and walks per nine. Uh, and playing there in Chicago, you have to keep the ball in the park, which becomes increasingly difficult to do as the season goes on. Um, and then rookie of the year, Corbin Carroll, he's leading in pretty much everything um, and leading a very surprising Diamondbacks team. Yeah, he is. Um, again, like uh, Randy just said before, broken record. Uh, Acuna, NLMVP, Corbin Carroll, Rookie of the Year. I'm switching up. I'm going to go with Spencer Strider, pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. First, uh, yeah. yeah, I think he's only going to get stronger as the year goes on as that team keeps hitting and supporting him with runs. Um, I got him waiting to sign up. Are you concerned about his his home run rate? I mean, he dude gives up a lot of home runs. So he gives up a lot of home runs, and the offense mashes some more. No big deal. Ramey? Deal. Yep. I'm I'm on the same. I, <laughs> I gave up a few home runs. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Uh, I got Acuna for uh, MVP. Just unbelievable. Um, I he's going to be a, uh, a a name that we talk about in years to come for MVP. He's going to be he's a cornerstone of that Braves offense and that Braves team. So uh, no no deviation from you guys there. Rookie of the year, Corbin Carroll, uh, unbelievable rookie year. I think if um, De La Cruz had been up the entire year, maybe there would be a little bit more of an argument. There's some other guys too. 
but Corbett Carroll's far, far and away the, the rookie of the year, in my opinion. And then for Cy Young, I, I wish I could say Justin Steele, Matt. I do. I think he's a fantastic pitcher and I think he's going to have a great career and he's going to certainly be in the running, but baseball. No, no, I I am going to talk about Strowman, but he's not my pick. Baseball is a romantic sport and those writers love a good story. And that's why I think Clayton Kershaw is going to win the NL Cy Young. He's having a resurgence this year. Um, It's probably uh, not his last year, but his last elite year. Um, He's getting up there in age, but the writers are going to eat that shit up. And I think Strowman and Steele will kind of cancel each other out a little bit because they're both having really good years. Um, Strowman, like I said earlier, is is kind of fallen off as of late, but he's got a 2.76 ERA. I think it's it's third in the league. Um, and uh, he and Steele are, should be leading that staff for years to come. But I think that because of the way baseball works, I think it'll be Kershaw, unless he falls off a cliff the second half of the year. Well, he's got to stay healthy on two back problems. Our bitch. Yep. Yeah, they that's are. what he gets True. plagued with. Yep, they are. But I want. Hey, did this. you guys know that he was high school teammates with Matthew Stafford? I'd never heard that. No shit. What he plays center. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that comes up on every fucking thing I listen to every fucking day. It seems like uh, listening to the wrong shit. You hear right. that every day. You're right. That wraps up our mid-season um, evaluations and awards uh, for the Major League Baseball. And hopefully we can take a break now. Ramey, would you like to introduce this week's pick sixer? I'd love to. Sweet. Are you ready, Kyle? I'm scrolling to it. He's still writing. There we go. <laughs> there we go. All right. Cool. Yeah. Pick sixer. Let's go. All right. Now it's time for our weekly pick sixer this week because Kyle's never been anywhere. We're going to talk about our top six stadiums that we'd like to visit one day. Kyle, why don't you lead us off? Sure. No problem. Why? I mean, I could also put a. Uh, a, per- a place on this list that I want to visit again. Maybe I've already been there. Sure. Yeah. You could do sure. the same stadium six times if you like it that much. That's what I'll do that. So yeah. Doc, next. Well, you didn't say which one you wanted to go to six times. No, I have always liked the when watching San Francisco Jack games. Um, it's Oracle Park now was AT&T Park uh, a few years ago. Um, one of the most pitcher-friendly parks. Um, you got that McCovey Cove. You got people out there in boats catching home run balls and things like that. The, the scenery looks great. I like the water. Uh, next one, PNC Park. See a theme here a little bit. Uh, also uh, situated along uh, the Allegheny River in Ohio and whatever all meets there. I can't exactly remember what it is. But, uh, I went to Pittsburgh a year ago a comedian there and just saw the park there across the river and I just it, it looks awesome I'd like to go catch a game there did you go alone um I did not what a friend of mine watched a comedian spent a couple nights got back it was a very 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 quick trip uh how many beds just just one bed in the room or did you get like the two queens um Number I've never three. been to Pittsburgh. Number yeah. three, Oregon. It's the, it's the Monongahela. It's the Alga- Pittsburgh. When Alla- they have this uh, park there, like Point, beautiful park there, right where all the rivers meet. Got all these bridges and stuff. Everything made it all steel. It's the Allegheny and the Monongahela form the Ohio. Yes, Monongahela. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Thank you, fucking um, our resident geography expert, Ramey, uh, has helped me. Uh, you know. Thanks, Riley. Appreciate that. Moving along, Oriole Park at Camden Yards in Baltimore, another place I've always wanted to go. You got the old uh, warehouse from the railroad that was there uh, that the stadium was built on. Uh, number four, um, switching it up a little bit. Back in the day, I used to be a NASCAR fan. I, I haven't watched a race in 
well over a decade probably, but I always was infatuated with Talladega, uh, super speedway down there in Alabama, largest uh, oval on the NASCAR circuit at uh, 2.66 miles. That's 4.2 kilometers for our international listeners. Uh, the racing's tight there. Uh, you can go four or five uh, wide sometimes. And there's always that, uh, the big one, they call it, um, always a big, big crash near our racing so tight there that it, it's easy just to come up on something and your, your day's done. Um, number five, the Rolls Bowl, Pasadena. Um, Matt's laugh. Matt's shaking his head. Thank you, Matt. All right. Don't know what's going on. Stop married on me. Anyway, the Rose Bowl, Pasadena, been in love with that place and wanted to go there. You know, it's always the host of the uh, Big Ten and Pac-12 Championship, Pac-10 Championship um, for years. Great place to play. Matt's still tough. All right. And number six, Michigan Stadium in Ann Arbor. I'm a huge uh, Blue fan, and honestly, I've never been there at one time. <laughs> <laughs> You've never been there at one time. You've I've been there. never been there. I've never been there once. I saw like Matt parts of yeah, parts Matt of you have been there. Dixon face impression there. I wasn't doing anything. Uh, corner my yeah, you <laughs> were. Um, but no, I've not been there, and uh, that needs to get rectified. I had a chance to go there a couple of years ago, but just didn't work. All you um, had to do was a door. But instead, you did nothing. Ravy didn't uh, even make coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Ravy, yeah. on to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. My number six is Dodger Stadium. Uh, I'd like to go see a game in Dodger Stadium someday. Hopefully, maybe a Cubs-Dodgers game. Uh, just as the kind of like you, Kyle, the scenery, the, the ambiance, the... Just everything about it. Go get a Dodger dog and sit and watch a game with Larry King. Rest in peace. Number five, Allen Fieldhouse. I'd like to go watch a college basketball game uh, in, at Univ Kansas University. So uh, it's just really cool atmosphere. I think it would be a lot of fun to go see a, a basketball game there. Who would you want I'm, to see them play? The Hoosiers. Of course. The Hoosiers. They play. They didn't lose. Else and choke and lose. Like yeah. Yep. Just like they did last year. Yep. 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 So they probably won't play there for a while. Uh, my number four is Oracle Park. Use the same as you, Kyle. Uh, just it's really cool park right on the waterfront. Um, just one of those bucket list uh, parks that I'd like to go see someday. Number three, uh, Lambeau Field. You guys are going to love this as Lions fans, uh, but um, really just. A really cool place um, in a small town, smallest town in the NFL, smallest home city in the NFL. Um, all the history and everything that it could, that goes with Lambeau Field, I think it would be a lot of fun to go up there and watch a game. My number two is the Rose Bowl. I'd like to go to an actual Rose Bowl game. Um, it's probably going to be a lot easier to go to a Big Ten game out there soon because UCLA is going to be a part of the Big Ten, so maybe I'll go watch the Hoosiers out there. Maybe we can go catch Michigan play out in the Rose Bowl, we can dip into the uh, Stone Dog Sports yeah. Podcast uh, Petty Cash or, US, or USC also. Yeah, the Coliseum. Yeah. yeah, but I I said the Rose Bowl, so that's why I, I was. I understand. Carry yeah. on. Okay, I'll allow it. It's fine. It, thanks. Thank you, Kyle. I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. Uh, my number one is uh, Fenway Park. Uh, it's the oldest baseball stadium in Major League Baseball. Uh, Cubs Wrigley Field is second, but I've been there plenty of times. So I think it'd be cool to go see a game, go see the big monster, go see the Red Sox play a game out there. Uh, it's just a place I've always wanted to go to. So a lot of a lot of stadiums that I haven't been to that could have made this list, but um, those are the six that I came up with. Matt, what do you got? Well, I, there is a, a little bit of carryover uh, between the the three of us here. My number six is PNC Park. Uh, Kyle, you mentioned it. <clears throat> Great views, shitty team because of shitty ownership, but I'd still love to check it out. Uh, number five, Lambeau Field up in Green Bay. Just all the history that's there. Um, 
you know, I, I love football and, and just there's been a lot of great moments there. Also, fuck the Packers. Uh, number four, Stamford Bridge in, in West London. Um, I'd love to go see a, a Chelsea versus Man U game, not because I know anything about soccer or, you know, for our international listeners, football, but just they take that shit incredibly seriously over there. And just to be there more like as an event to be part of the environment, I think would be a lot of fun. Number three, Gillette Stadium up in Foxborough. It's the house that Brady built. I have been outside of it and, and took some pictures of it, but to actually go there and, and watch a game would be amazing. If I could somehow get tickets to their home opener this year when Brady comes in to you know, get blowjobs from the entirety of the Boston and New England population for all his contributions to their society there, it'd be amazing, but you know, probably present company included. Hey, you know what? You do what you got to do. Uh, number two for me is uh, Coors Field out in Denver. I was actually in Denver, but fucked up my chance to go see a game. Um, it just, it always looks so cool. You've got the mountains there and, and the games are always so high scoring, even though, you know, the Rockies are, are typically trash, except for, you know, that one year they did okay. And and made the World Series. Uh, number one for me, Ohio Stadium in Columbus. Go watch a Michigan-Ohio State game. Michigan wins infinity to nothing. It's amazing. Ohio State disbands their football program. Everyone shits on the field, and then Michigan wins a national championship. That's a good one, though. You think you'd make it out of there alive, Matt? Kind of tough. I'll be all right. Do they just, like, throw those chocolate-covered peanut butter Buckeyes at, at, at everyone? there i assume so that yeah, or cat turds people from ohio probably can't tell the difference well now it probably can't. If, if it's brown they're going to eat it regardless yeah. if they find it on the ground or not oh uh, i love it uh moving along that uh wraps up our pick sixers uh we'll be moving on to our back in the day replay Uh, anybody feel like starting or why don't you start oh. Kyle? Okay. I will go. It's, uh, this week, July 6th, 1933, the first ever major league baseball all-star game. Uh, coincidentally, the all-star game is, uh, out today on podcast day, Tuesday. Uh, um, it was created to, to kind of strengthen the sport, um, uh, during, Lackluster, lackluster years uh, during the Great Depression. It also coincided with um, the Chicago hosting the World's Fair there that year in 1933. Um, it was thought up by the Chicago Tribune sports editor, uh, Arch Ward. Um, just kind of came up with the idea for uh, the best players from each league to play a game against each other. Um, there were ballots printed in newspapers across the country where people could vote on the lineup, the players, similar to how we do it uh, still. Um, I thought uh, one interesting thing I saw from there, 20 of the 36 players represented in the All-Star game, and both teams' managers would later all be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. I thought that was an incredible stat. When did they start playing two or a year? Sorry? When did they start playing two all-star games per year? I have no idea. Why did I say I misspoke, obviously? No, I was just curious if in your Yeah, you're, you're a dick. Well, folks, <laughs> I misspoke. Who won the first all-star game? Uh, the American for the two. Nice. Played at Comiskey Park. Um, Babe Ruth is the uh, player to hit the first all-star home run in history. Who has the most uh, runs in all-star game history? I do not know. Who else? I have no idea. Ken Griffey? I know. I seriously don't know. Do you know, Matt? It's fun All to right. hear you. It's fun <laughs> to hear you guess and then say I don't. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, Will, could it be? Could it be Willie Mays? I don't know who it is. Okay. Uh, Randy, you're next. Reggie Jackson? I don't know. Oh, my back in the day replay is also baseball related. Uh, this week in 1987, 
uh, Oakland A's first baseman, Mark McGuire, became the first rookie to hit 30 home runs before the All-Star break as Oakland beat the Red Sox 6-2. to McGuire went on to win Rookie of the Year that year and then went on 10 years later, 11 years later, to break the single-season home run record. And then his reputation fell apart. Now, he was all-natural. Yeah. Uh, just like us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, Matt, uh, who you got some history? Uh, this one, a little bit more local, not baseball. Uh, July 3rd, 2006, Detroit Red Wings legend Steve Iserman officially retires from the NHL. Uh, he was our captain growing up. He finished with 692 goals and 1,755 points in his illustrious Hall of Fame career. And he is the general manager of those Detroit Red Wings. I love it when uh, team alumni come back and, and run the team, manage the team. I love it. As long as they do a good job. If they do a shitty job this is- like that asshole dickhead Kirk Gibson did, then no. Yeah. Did you, guys see, did you guys see your boy Mike Babcock is uh, going to be coaching the Columbus Blue Jackets? I have all my settings on my phone to not you know, show any news coming out of you know Ohio or the Columbus area in general. So I, I didn't see that. So. Interesting. I didn't know yeah. that was a setting. Well, I you know I have special abilities. You, know? you mind uh, doing a <laughs> tutorial for us, Kyle? Yeah, right here live on the Stone Down Sports Podcast. Kyle gets called on his bullshit. Well, obviously (laughs) it's fucking bullshit. I was just trying to fucking stir up a little humor, laugh, whatever. You can't, you know, most of the humor in this show is me staring at Randy's huge forehead. So I don't, I was just trying to contribute something as well. That's all. Love you, Randy. It's huge and it's magnificent. And beautifully bronzed. Right. They're real spectacular. Yeah. I mean, I could start uh, wearing wearing a hat every time to hide my flaws, but I embrace my so <laughs> so yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I coming off. Um yeah, cool. So I think we're done. Yeah, we're done. Kind of. Could we be yeah. done? I think silly. So. Do we have anything else to talk about? I don't think so. I do not. I do not. I don't have nothing. Granny's gonna. All right, do the outro and we can stop recording. Whatever. Yeah. Actually, you know, uh, next week we've got our NFL division previews coming back. Uh, as things look now, our Chicago sports correspondent will be joining us to help break down the Chicago Bears season. Uh, We'll be doing the NFC North in case it wasn't obvious. (laughs) We uh, had a great time with you guys today. For those of you that made it to, you know, this point, thank you for watching. If you haven't already, please subscribe, throw us a like. And for fuck's sake, comment. Like, we need some motherfucking, like, interaction, please. And all you bitches are being lazy. Like, we go to all this trouble to put this shit together for you. You can at least show us a little love on the back end. We ain't even getting a reach around at this point. People just watch and go away. They don't subscribe. They don't give us any feedback. Fuck you. It feels, I, I, I feel all, like, cheap and used. Right. Like, what you the know, hell? I know... Like looking at our stats on Spotify, we have two female listeners, and I know there are women across America out there right now biting their bottom lip at the thought of hearing my sugary voice come over their phone and talk about sports. Well, I'm right here, baby, and tell your friends. All right, folks, uh, that wraps it up. We'll see you next week. Uh, Tuesdays is the day for new episodes every week. Thanks for watching. Find us on the web, stonedonsportspodcast.com. And for God's oh, sakes, leave a comment so Matt can sleep tonight. Right. Right. Anything. They'll go. Oh. Anything. Help me out. I don't ask all that much. See you later, everyone. Now you wave, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs>